0: I think if any of you ever played sports, uh, this is game day.
1: Um, so I whipped it pretty big, but it was an excellent learning experience and it's something that I'm more, much more comfortable with now. So
2: And Ultimately, you're going into the best specialty in medicine that you could and you're going to have
3: a lot of fun. It's game day. Clerkships are happening all over the nation. And, folks, if you're like other students, it's a little nerve-wracking. It's a little bit intimidating. But I've got some EM studs here today. I've got some amazing people on the show. Uh, folks, there's a, an award given out in Texas at all the medical schools uh, by our Texas chapter of ASAP. And it's given to the most outstanding student in emergency medicine from each of the schools. And we're really fortunate here at our residency program to have, gosh, seven or eight people that have gotten that award uh, in our program. And I've invited them all to a podcast, and I've been able to get three of them here today that have demonstrated excellence and honors in their clerkships. They've nailed it. And they're not perfect, but they're pretty darn good. And so I have brought them on the show today so that they can share their wisdom and their experience from a little closer of a perspective from just completing their clerkships a year or two years ago on how to really dominate the clerkship. Uh, guys, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us kind of where you went to medical school and what you're doing right now.
0: Hey guys, uh, I'm Colt Smithson. I'm one of our second year residents here at Scott White, and White. I went to medical school at UT Southwestern uh, in Dallas.
1: My name is Mike Williams. I'm a, uh, finishing up my intern year here at uh, Scott and White, and I went to the University of Texas Houston. Hey, uh, Michael Benham. I'm
2: uh, also finishing up second year here at Scott and White. I uh, went to medical school at Texas Tech University up in Lubbock.
3: Great. And again, the reason I brought you guys on the, the show today is you've, you've really done a great job starting off in your clerkships. A lot of you guys got honors in most everything and uh, pretty much nailed the clerkships and dominated. And so we really want to pick your brains and your minds and find out how that happened. So, um, guys, do you remember what it's like, clerkship, emotions, fears, stories? H- how'd you feel? And, and basically give us some insight into kind of we know we can get through this. What was it like for you? I think mostly uh, I was just nervous. I just got
0: done from, you know, completing my studies, uh, trying to move forward. I think really excited about actually taking care of patients, getting hands-on with patients. And so I think it was more of just, you know, wanting to be able to make an impact finally on patients' lives and, uh, and kind of move forward with my studies.
1: Yeah, I think um, definitely nervousness, but also it was always going to be exciting as a medical student to be in the emergency department. It's a great place to to learn no matter where you end up, Uh, but I always had those uh, standardized letters of evaluation in the back of my mind, so definitely an intense time.
2: Yeah, I echo both those thoughts on being nervous about my first rotation. I did my first rotation here at Scott and White and um, came from a program that didn't have an emergency medicine residency and uh, was pretty nervous about getting things started on the right foot and making sure that uh, kind of was able to get that good letter of evaluation and uh, kind of have the opportunities to, to look at some places for residency that I wanted, um, but uh, also very excited about finally getting to the point of being able to do what you want to do with the rest of your life and kind of seeing how that works and uh, seeing the, the great residents and, and what they could teach you and, and just ready to learn a lot.
3: Cool. So before we get into really the specifics on dominating things, I mean nobody's perfect, and I think to get the jitters out, do you guys have any stories? Uh, certainly, you did well, but you weren't perfect. Were there any slips, any falls, any close calls that you made? Any stories that you can share to kind of put our listeners at ease?
2: Uh, I know the, uh, you know, one of the things that sticks out from my first rotation uh, it wasn't, you know, any big major, you know, almost catastrophic thing, but just something that I, I knew that I kind of didn't have the right mindset about. I had a probably a mid 40s to lower 50s age female. She came in with chest pain um, and I went in and saw her and wasn't really all that concerned with her story. Uh, didn't necessarily blow her off, but you know, maybe didn't take it as seriously as I could have. And you know, my presentation was to you know, kind of work her up for chest pain and, and send her home. Uh, I know the attending I was working with that day uh, kind of had different thoughts on. He was pretty worried about the chest pain and thought uh, we should admit her to the hospital. And that was kind of a kind of a big wake up moment for me to to realize that you know maybe I need to look into this a little bit more, take things a little bit more seriously when it comes to chest pain, and kind of reevaluate my thinking. Uh, that was definitely something that stood out to me uh, early on that I realized that I needed to do a little bit more reading and kind of look into this a little bit more. Um, that's
1: kind of the one, the one major thing that I remember. Um, I think uh, one, of my, one of my oddest moments was probably during a, a simulation during one of our education days at one of my clerkships. I think it's important to remember that, you know, they realize that you're medical students there. So we had essentially a, a neonatal resuscitation case and I had never really read very much about that or done much about that. Um, so I whiffed it pretty big but it was an excellent learning experience, and it's something that I'm more much more comfortable with now. So, take those simulations with a grain of salt, and just try to do your best.
0: Yeah, I think we're like you, like you said, we all make mistakes. Um, I I made several. You will make several, and that's kind of the whole point of this stage of your learning. Um, the main thing is just when you do make a mistake, just take it. And, you know, learn from it. You know,
3: read up on it. That way, you try to limit that mistake being made again. So, guys, that's great. What's the uh What's the perfect recipe for dominating the clerkship? Tell me what you used.
1: I think first of all, going into it, uh, knowing the institution that you're that you're working that you're working at, and I think uh, understanding, knowing a little bit about the staff that you'll be working with, and know who your APDs are because they're generally the people that are going to be um, getting together to help write the standardized letters of evaluation, um, and. Uh, just having that interest at the forefront and having a mindset of helpfulness and getting and being ready to get there early and stay late and know your stuff.
2: Yeah, I think the you know, I don't think there's any one one cookie cutter recipe to do well on these things. I think the thing is is you know, what what we're looking for as residents whenever students are working with us and what the faculty are looking for, we want somebody that's going to show up on time and be ready to work hard uh, we can we can teach you a lot of things uh, but you got to be teachable and i think that's one of the most important things is to keep an open mind be teachable um, and just show improvement and ask for feedback over the course of your rotation show that you're willing to get better and that you're always willing to work hard and those are the traits that you know, makes a good applicant and that's what we're looking for we're maybe not necessarily looking for the the smartest person or somebody to just, blow our socks off with what they know. Uh, those things are all a bonus but we want we want to know that you're going to show up you're going to be dependable and you're going to work hard when you're here and I think if you do those things that's uh, a pretty good start to getting you off on the right foot on your rotations.
0: I agree with all those things that were said. I think it's also important uh, to just be yourself uh, when you're at your home rotation you know and you, you start doing away rotations, um, you're going to want to find somewhere where you fit in, where you have a good group of colleagues that are honestly going to be your best friends over the next three years. That's kind of the special thing about emergency medicine is you not only work hard, but then you play hard with the same people that you get to know during residency. Um, so just be yourself. You'll find you know, where you fit in, where you, you know, have fun with the people that's around you. And so I think that's very important to keep in mind too. Don't try to be someone you're not,
3: um, but just be yourself. Unless you're borderline and crazy, then you, you should probably be somebody else. But, but you guys are pretty cool, so you can be yourself.
2: Some of us are still borderline and crazy. <laughs>
3: um, so, I mean, the, you guys are smart. I think the average step core is like a 624 or something like that, right? You guys <laughs> killed it. But um, how do you demonstrate that you're smart, that you know what you're doing, without giving that vibe of being arrogant, kind of know-it-all? I mean, that's a careful line. How do you How do you feel about that? I think uh, you know a lot of the way you're going
0: to demonstrate your knowledge uh, is going to be when you're asked to present patients. Uh, that's a place where you're not kind of overstepping your bounds or trying to you know just trying to say something when it's maybe not the best time. But that's your floor to kind of demonstrate what you just learned from the patient and where you think you can go. I think an important area to focus on when you are doing your EM rotations is to focus on like what your plan. Because uh, I think we like to know your plan and what your differential is, and that's kind of where the meat of where you're going to kind of let us know, hey, this is what I was thinking. I think we should work this up. Uh, but that's honestly your stage uh, to kind of demonstrate to us what, what, what kind of stuff you're made of.
1: I think also during uh, those didactic session, se- sessions within uh, clerkships, it's good to read ahead and try to have an idea of what is going to be talked about, especially if any emergency medicine literature is involved. Um, also you know, just asking good questions during that time uh, can be helpful as well.
3: Gotcha, the same thing. I mean, you want to be aggressive about doing procedures. We're a procedural based specialty. We love that. We get in there, get our hands dirty. You want a student that's going to go pick up the next patient that's not afraid to try a procedure. How do you be aggressive without just stepping on toes and, and how do you navigate that? Any advice?
1: I think, First and foremost, know the steps. So if it's something like a central line or something like a lumbar puncture, you may not be able to directly do it, but if you know the steps and you're able to have your gloves on and be an extra set of hands, that's gonna be very helpful. Um, also, things like laceration repairs and incision and drainage, those would be good things to that the residents would likely let you do, that would be very helpful. So just have a little bit of practice with that and know the steps. And um, those are usually things that are very helpful to us when we're on a busy shift.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. Just Yeah, definitely don't be afraid to let your resident know before going in, be like, hey, you know, I've never done this before. Uh, Do you mind if I watch you do it this time? So that way maybe I can do it next time when it comes through the door. I think that's always a great approach. Uh, but definitely if you're thinking, yeah, I want to do a central line next shift, make sure the night before you're looking over the steps, procedures. That way you have a good idea of you know, how to do the procedure and what to look for and what the technique should be. So you at least have some your foot in the door uh, when you go to try to you know, do the procedure. I think another thing is, is as far as um, you know, knowing how aggressive to pick up patients, kind of moving forward. Just, just ask your resident. I think all the residents you're going to be working with are different. You're going to have different staff. There's going to be different shifts, different workloads, different patient volumes that are coming in. And so every shift is honestly different and that's what makes emergency medicine so great. Um, but I, w- I wouldn't be afraid to just ask your resident, hey, you want me to you know, pick people up? You want to go see them together? You know, and just that way you kind of mark out that game plan moving forward for the shift and that'll make benefit you and also benefit the resident you're working with so you all have a, a good path uh, to follow to make things as efficient and make your experience as good as possible.
3: So I'm hearing from you guys that it's not really the, really tube going through the cords, but it's the preparation before that that's important that we often overlook and I can't stress that enough. So knowing those procedures well, taking the kits apart, understanding their order is key. And then you talked about expectations. Let's get on the same page. That's great advice. Make sure that you are aware of the expectations at the beginning of the shift. And it's very fair to ask questions like, how do you want the shift to go? How do you like your presentations? What do you want from me? Because there's a lot of opinions out there. With that, I mean, it's kind of like high school, right? Uh, He looked at me wrong. She was too close, too far away in my personal space. Really, how do you navigate this high school environment? Any advice for people?
2: I think kind of as the, you know, as your shift goes on, you, you start to get a little bit of a feel of um, your kind of self-awareness of where you're at with the resident and uh, are they, do they seem like I'm being a little bit too close? I, I think like Dr. Weeder said, it never hurts to ask. I and mean, don't hesitate. To ask for feedback halfway through your shift, you know, how am I doing? What do you want me to do differently over the next four, five, six hours? That um, you know, in comparison to what I've done right now, uh, it is a little bit of a game that that you play, and you never really know what what people are truly thinking about you. I think you know, ask for honest feedback, and and hopefully you know, everybody will be willing to give you that. And I think everybody will, um, but it's kind of just kind of gauge it a little bit off of Phil and how you think that, that people are responding to you. And um, if not, then, then don't be afraid to ask uh, what you can do differently.
0: Yeah, I think this kind of, this is a difficult area and this is probably the most stressful part of this for some people. Um, I think going back to what I said earlier, ultimately, you just got to be yourself. Uh, you're either going to fit in with a program or you're not. Uh, and if you don't fit in, then that's just a place probably you wouldn't be happy to be at anyways you know, with, with the rest of your training. Um, so I think it is important to kind of kind of gauge your, your interest, make sure you're not coming across over eager and focus on those things. But ultimately, it's just about being yourself, having fun and learning as much as you can, and the rest will sort, it, sort itself out. Um, one thing to note is if you can smell the resident's hair gel, you're too close. Just back up.
3: You wear axe, don't you? Okay, so this kind of gets into professionalism, you know, it's a big deal. What does that look like for an emergency medicine resident and a student interactions? how do you how do you demonstrate professionalism? Can you just talk it up? What do you do?
1: I think being you know, being there early, Um, Certainly, at least being there on time uh, is probably the most important thing. I think when you're a resident, getting there a little bit early and helping your co-residents check out and being willing to stay a little bit late is kind of how we measure some of our professionalism. So definitely just be punctual for anything during the clerkship. Um, Coming in like five or ten minutes late, it may not matter what you do the rest of the time. You may not be able to come back from that. and That's just kind of how it is.
2: Yeah, I think showing up on time is probably one of the, the biggest things you can do to, you know, consistently show up five minutes early. That makes a big difference for people, and when you get in residency, that's going to make a big difference for you. When the guy coming in for you is is there five minutes early and ready to work. I think the other thing is make sure that you're always, you know, you don't you don't have to wear a suit. And generally, we dress pretty casual in the emergency department, but um, you know. You don't want to look like the, the guy that just woke up and rushed in. And, uh, be fairly well groomed and look like you're you know put together and ready to work. I think all those things kind of show everybody that you're uh, have a professional attitude about it. And you're taking things seriously, and if you do that, then uh, I think that's a, a good start for kind of a sets the
3: tone for your whole shift. So the college hoodie's not doing it for you. Showing up late
2: depends what's college
3: <laughs> so the only thing that can make up for that is a manly beard like williams is rocking today
1: i would i would strongly recommend a beard yeah. it, it helped me a lot just a fine comb through it <laughs> <laughs> once, once a year maybe
3: uh so let's get down where the rubber meets the road okay so you've shown up early you look like a doctor you're trying to be professional what's in your white coat pocket what are you carrying with you to work what's in your bag I think my biggest thing is I always had my iPhone with me. I think it's kind
0: of a tool you can utilize in the right way. That doesn't mean on Shift you're gonna be on Facebook or be texting or be checking emails because the resident you're working with will notice that. But there's several apps, which I think we're gonna talk about in a a couple minutes that I used and kind of utilized on Shift that were really helpful uh, with me moving forward as a quick reference.
1: I think um, both of my home rotation as well as my away rotations uh, emergency departments are notoriously bad for not having good cell service or Wi-Fi. So I had um, Pocket EM, which is the little plastic book, uh, the little plastic book that with the three ring binder inside of it. That was pretty helpful for me in terms of coming up with plans and uh, throwing a wide net with a potential workup. Also I had the, the Tent and Alley's handbook. It was kind of heavy. But it fit in the pocket. It fit in the pocket of your student coat, and it uh, it seemed to help me out many a time. That thing's like a brick. Yes, it is. But it's worth it. Totally worth it.
2: All right. Yeah, I think all those things. Uh, an iPhone gives you basically access to a wealth of knowledge that you can look things up on the fly with a lot of different apps or getting on the internet. I think the other thing that may be handy is a student to have is just maybe a pair of trauma shears it seems like when something comes in and we need to quickly move if somebody's ready with a pair of trauma shears and can step in and and take that one step away from uh, somebody else and kind of get that get that done quickly that's a big help and i think shows that you know you're thinking about these things and you're ready for them
3: Gotcha. Couldn't agree more. So I'm um, hearing that you've got a couple of maybe your favorite book. You've got some trauma shears and things. And it's important if you, if your lightsaber is your iPhone or your Android, by the way, doctors Benham, Williams, and Smithson do not have any conflicts of interest that <laughs> pertain to this podcast. Is that right, guys? That's correct. You've yep. rejected all the offers from all of the different commercial companies that want to uh, shine your face on their products, right? That's true. That's true. <laughs> Shoot. So, yeah, if you don't have... Wi-Fi, a lot of the different apps are related to the internet and that might not function. So you gotta have stuff that's off the web, that's really on your phone if you wanna use it. So let's talk about the lightsaber of the Jedi. It's a smartphone. What apps are you guys using? I think as a medical student, I really liked
0: uh, Palm EM. Uh, That's that's an app that's kinda, it's pretty cheap and it gets updated regularly. uh, And it's really come a long way and it's a good reference that I even still use as a resident uh, today. Uh, another one I like as a quick reference for tr- various treatment for various diagnoses is uh, the Emra antibiotic app. That's a, that's a great app too that I like to use. Yeah, I use both those as well. Uh, Emra's got a Presserdex
2: app uh, as well as the book that's good to have. Uh, I also use WikiEM um, as a resident. It's a, I think a great tool that you don't have to be on the internet to get access to it. Uh, MDCalc has a new app. Uh, in addition to their website that uh, works pretty good for calculating things like the heart score or perk rule. Um, there's a really a wealth of any of these apps out there. Just kind of look and pick what you're comfortable with and, and know how to access it.
1: There's also a, a fair amount of ultrasound apps out there right now. Um, I don't know off the top of my head which ones require internet connection but it's always good to have some pictures if you're uh, on your phone when you're looking over your shoulder watching ultrasounds just to be able to orient yourself or know which way the probe is supposed to be facing
3: so after you get off your smartphone i guess you're also going to use some resources both books online maybe uh, some websites. What did you guys find helpful in that stage of transition from student to resident?
1: I felt like preparing for my clerkships, it was really helpful for me to, to go through the uh, EM Basic podcasts. Uh, the utility of that is there's show notes as well that can be printed off as a PDF, and I, I would go through those, and it's just very helpful to get you from that that third year medical student where you're more at the stage of gathering information to transition to the third, the fourth year mindset of trying to come up with your plans and understanding what makes up a good workup and a good differential.
0: I second, uh, EM Basics, I use that as well. That's a great resource. Uh, I actually listened to that probably a couple times through when I was at y'all's stage. Um, another thing is is don't be afraid to you know I think the the Bible of emergency medicine is still titanelli and rosens and if you need a deep dive on a topic uh, don't be afraid to, uh, most all your residencies are going to have a copy of that laying around so if you really want to get down nitty and gritty you can always break that out and give that a read as well
2: I think those are great resources if you're you know like doing questions and want to do a question based approach I think uh, Ross review has, you know, a great set of questions for medical students uh, that you can kind of go through, and it really tends to highlight the, the kind of important things that we're looking for in emergency medicine and, and gives you a, a framework to kind of dive deeper into those topics with some of the other resources.
3: Alright, so we've shown up early. We've got the lightsaber, our smartphone. We've got the apps loaded. We've read the bricks, the cinder blocks of emergency medicine. We've uh, been prepared. And you talked earlier, Colt, about the presentation really being a chance to demonstrate what you know and and how you've learned and apply that to patients. And I think presentations are kind of the big metric that will get your grade a lot of times. So how do you get good at those since it's such a high-stakes thing? I think this is a process.
0: It's not something you come in the day one and you're just like the perfect at it. I'm sure some of you may be. Uh, but I certainly wasn't uh, most of our interns aren't and they're still working on getting their presentations uh, down to a T and figured out uh, You know still now um, But this is like I said, this is your stage This is kind of where you get to strut your stuff uh, But I think one thing that I used that was great is you know almost with most patients You see you're gonna see a patient you're gonna present to the resident and then they're gonna go present to the attending um, I think each one of those uh, are just opportunities you can use because you're seeing how you did it and then you directly see how your resident goes and does it and I think each one of those uh, times that happens that you can take that as a valuable learning experience to help kind of tee up how you want to tweak this or how you should have said that or how you could have been more concise there because ultimately you want to try to get everything across you know, in one to two minutes even on the, you know, the more critical patients maybe a little bit longer but you're trying to really just you know sum, summarize everything so you can get the important information related across quickly.
2: Yeah, the the presentation's really a, kind of the art of what we do. It's how, as residents, that we tell our attending about the patient. It's how we talk to consultants on the phone, give them the presentation, and you're you're painting a picture for the person that you're that you're telling the telling about the patient and. Uh, It's something that it takes a lot of practice, and uh, you're not going to be good at it right away. I know I certainly was not good at it early on, and uh, I think there's some articles out there, the three-minute emergency medicine presentation that's out there that's, I think, a great uh, initial resource to look at. I read that before my clerkship to kind of give you some ideas of what we're looking for. I think ultimately, at the end of the presentation, is have a plan of what you want to do for the patient. It's okay to be wrong, you're gonna be wrong a lot. You're gonna be wrong as a medical student, as a resident, when you get done. uh, You're always, you're gonna have those times where you're wrong, but I think have a plan of what you wanna do for them, uh, whether it's right or wrong, and uh, be able to kind of support why you wanna do that. And I think that's kind of a good way to approach it in the initial stages.
3: Yeah, also, feel free to check out, there's a video that was produced by Imra along with CDIM, and uh, it's on presentations. You can find it on our website. We'll put a link in the show notes here. But that's a fantastic video that will really, I think, dovetail with a lot of what these guys are saying. So, at the end of the shift, the worst thing you can ever hear was what? You did fine. Ugh. What does that mean? So, how do we get beyond that? what are some techniques some tactics to really seek good feedback and really take ourselves to the next level that we have all need to get to
1: i feel like first of all if, uh, depending on when your shift ends you know if things are really busy and you approach your residents your staff you're more likely and they're in the middle of trying to call consults or doing something like that you may uh, you may be more likely to get that it's fine answer so just try to hang around and wait for a point where people would be able to give you a, cu- a couple of minutes of feedback and um, if you ask a general question you're like more likely to get a general answer. So if you got to help with a procedure um, if you did present a lot of patients or you came up with some plans that maybe weren't what ended up happening with the patient, um, ask specifics and that's more likely to help you learn and grow.
2: Yeah I think. That's great advice uh, on how to get, I think if you ask for specific feedback, you're much more likely to get that specific answer. I think also some of the framework of your question and asking, you know, hey, I noticed that whenever you were doing this procedure that uh, you did a little bit differently than me or you did this, Uh, can you give me a a little bit of feedback on what I can do to, to get more like that? Kind of ask it in a specific way where they can uh, you know kind of give you that answer more that you're looking for ask them for the you know what's the one thing you'd like to see me do differently next shift and uh, when you ask a question like that they can't you can't really respond with an answer like fine you you have to kind of more come up with something specific it's uh, you know being on the other side of it now it's difficult to give that feedback as a resident uh, to a student but I think if you're looking for something specific I'm much more likely to be able to of help you you know whether i remember something along in the shift that i think oh that is something that i noticed at the time that i think you could do a little bit differently Um, but always be willing to to look for feedback and accept the feedback whatever it is and learn from it that's the main thing is you want to get better at the end of the day and you got to be open to the feedback and whatever whatever they're
3: going to tell you yeah so looking back on things what uh what pitfalls do you see now? What are some common areas you just don't want to step into this kind of a situation? I think it's.
0: I think one of the things that I kind of would sometimes, it happened just a couple of times and I learned from it, uh, but as far as when you're, you are talking to patients and you're having a direct involvement in their care, um, so just be very cognizant of if you like, say, promise them a certain test or promise them a certain procedure, um, then that sets up kind of expectations for um, the patient. Uh, and so, when you go back to uh, talk to the resident about your plan, they may not necessarily agree with you. Um, so you just want to kind of be careful on what you're telling the patients, um, and so that way you're not setting up un- uh, unreal expectations.
1: Certainly, I think I think understanding a little bit of your boundaries as a medical student. I mean, we're we're always going to enjoy an an ambitious coworker, an ambitious uh, medical student. But you know, knowing your boundaries and knowing um, that your your main purpose is to help the resident out and not to Um, not to like make the patient think that something else may may be happening so i think that's a good idea just understand your boundaries and your expectations on your rotations
2: don't be afraid to ask for ask for help Um, i think one of the most mature signs of a medical student that you can find is the one that comes back to you after being in the room for 30 seconds and saying hey could you come up here and take a look at this patient they don't look good to me would you mind coming up with me and taking a look that really says a lot about you that, one, you're willing to to ask for help, and, two, that you recognize the patient that looks sick right away. And I think that's a very important thing. Don't don't just get too
3: deep under underwater in there by yourself and uh, before it's too late. What about the role of a mentor during this whole process? I mean, tell me about how that worked out for you guys. You were each at different medical schools with a very different setup and, and structure. Some didn't have a residency program, others have very strong program. So how did that fit into your development as a student?
1: Uh, personally, for me, it, it helped me out a ton, um, both in helping me, um, having having mentor, mentors early on in medical school, um, as soon as you understand that you wanna do emergency medicine, people that you can shadow and start working on those presentations earlier on and get an idea of, um, how best to start working on the areas of weakness that you have even during those some of those third year clerkships can be very helpful. Also you know emergency medicine is a it is an intense field and it is and the rotations are going to kind of be like high school so if you're able if you're able to have some feedback about maybe some personality stuff that you may need to work on or aspects of your personality that you may need to change a little bit to make you a little bit easier to work with, those people are gonna be the ones to be able to help you with that um, in a constructive way. And so by the time you show up to your away rotations, um, you're able to uh, be more helpful and be a little bit better on shift.
0: I couldn't agree more. I mean, just like with every stage you've gone through up to this point, you know, having a good mentor, someone you can be honest with and open with, uh, and have just very frank conversations about you moving forward and what your capabilities are at the current time and how you could make changes to be better in the future um, is key because uh, your mentors is someone you can just, you know, completely be completely open with um, and have conversations that you know you can't have with anyone else and I think finding a good person that you latch on to, you get along with, but uh, someone who's also not afraid to tell you the honest truth is, is, is critical at this stage.
3: All right, guys any closing remarks and maybe how about this question if you could go back in the future to yourself as a fourth year medical student you're starting your clerkship what would you tell yourself
1: maybe don't be quite as nervous and don't talk so much
2: <laughs> I, I think yeah don't don't be as uh, maybe as nervous as I was when I started um, and really I think just tell myself enjoy it it's it's a fun ride and it's a stressful process going through this and uh, doing your away rotations and trying to get good letters and then sending out applications but really just enjoy it Uh, it's a it's a really fun time in your life and ultimately you're going into the best specialty in medicine that you could and you're gonna have a lot of fun Uh, you're gonna work with great people and you're gonna get to take great care of
0: of these patients uh, who really need you I think if any of you ever played sports, uh, this is game day. So, being being nervous, being ex- being excited, those are all good things. Um, I reiterate, don't be too nervous. Uh, but this is what you've worked for. You find you've made it. This is what you decided you want to do with, with the rest of your life. And so, just be excited about that. You're gonna have a blast. You're gonna learn a lot. Uh, you're gonna make yourself better each and every day. But just just have fun.
3: Well, all right, guys. Thanks for stopping by and dropping that wisdom, dropping those pearls for our EM studs. Special thanks to Dr. Smithson, Benham, and Williams for sharing their wisdom today, guys. Appreciate you. Also, be sure to go by our website, www.cedumcurriculum.com. That's clerkship directors at emergencymedicine.com. Also, special thanks to our music today, performed by Chuckadale.com, for his cover of The Black Keys. On behalf of my colleague, Dr. Nate, this is your EMED coach, Dr. Scott Wieder, signing off for another edition of the EM Stud Podcast. Rotate well, my friends.